I heard about a school that faced a problem. It seemed that a number of girls were going into the bathroom and putting on lipstick. And after they put it on their lipstick, they pressed their lips to the mirror, leaving dozens of lip prints. And it was a nightmare for the cleaner. A huge nightmare for the cleaner, these schoolgirls. So, in the end of the day, the head teacher had to do something about it. So she called all the girls to the bathroom and she met them there with the cleaner. And she explained that the lip prints caused a major problem for the cleaner who had to clean the mirror every day. And to demonstrate how difficult it was, she said to the cleaner, show the girls what you do every day. And as the girls watched, the cleaner took out a long brush dipped it into the toilet and scrubbed it on the mirror. <laughs> the demonstration had amazing results. <laughs> Accordingly, there's never been any lip prints on the mirrors since. <laughs> I know, I have a problem too. Not with lipstick. <laughs> I have a problem with the word membership. Because I just think it's so misleading. You know, I, I was in a, a squash club because I used to play squash when I was younger. And I was in a, in a, in a league. And I couldn't go on the squash court unless I had white shoes on, white shorts, white t-shirt. And of course, I had white hair. <laughs> I looked a freak. I looked like a snowman. So you call me a snowman. <laughs> no, they didn't. They call me a snowman until I got them on the court. All I'm saying is, we don't ask you to come in a uniform, do we? We don't, it's a good job. Uh, seriously, we don't ask you to come in a uniform. I then had to sign a declaration that I would pay my subscriptions every year and I would abide by the rules, etc., etc., etc. And it was a club run very, 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 very strictly. Uh, I just don't like the word membership. I much prefer the word partnership because, one, I believe the Bible's full of that word. And I believe it's not a question of bringing up your subs every week. It's not a question of, uh, uh, seriously, obeying the guidelines, although we want you to follow Jesus and we do want you to tithe. That is not what I'm saying. But I want you to, to this morning, for a few moments, look at some spiritual verses. Because in Galatians it says this. And when they recognized me, this is, this is Paul, and the grace that had been stowed upon me, James and John, who were the reputed pillars or the leaders of the Jerusalem church, gave me, which was Paul, and Barnabas the right hand in partnership. So the very, very first church in AD 33 gave Paul the right hand of fellowship. They recognized that Paul was a follower of Jesus. And so they declared that to be so by giving them the right hand of fellowship. And the right hand of fellowship speaks of a cooperation and a joint participation. You don't get that as a membership. And I believe the right hand of fellowship gives equal, equal approval to you and to me. I am not there, you're not there, or vice versa. Partnership is a cooperation and a joint partnership together. It's something 
that actually says, I am equal with Jeff, and Jeff, though, is equal with me. We have different positions. We all our worship team here, and we also have Linda at the back. We all have different functions, but we're all equal. The worship team, seriously, is not greater than you welcoming somebody into the door. And vice versa. Every one of us, every one of us are equal. Every one of us. And that's the lovely thing about partnership. It's saying, I want to partner with you, Alan, and hopefully you want to partner with me. And someone said the definition of partnership is that we work together. And I think that's a lovely way of putting it. We work together. I don't know how many of you remember the tape that I, I once did, tape illustration. Well, what you in a tape illustration, the tape went from naught to 80. Because that's how long most of you are going to live, averaging. Naught to 80. Most of you, Mary. There are exceptions. And then what I asked people in this church to do was to tear off their actual age. So for me, I went from naught to 70 and had to tear it off. Okay? And I had to put that to one side, and whatever was left from 70 to 80 was the length of time that I had left. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't very big. And Mary, yours is non-existent. <laughs> but, con I want you to consider that now. I want to consider how old are you now? I don't want to know where, please. It's wrong to ask a girl's age. So I want you to say how old you are, and then to, if you can, calculate how long you've got left to live if you live to 80. So, Alan, whatever how old you are, how long have you got left to live? I do know Kevin's age. <laughs> So Kevin has roughly 25 years. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He only has 15. So use it while you can, brother. No, listen. He has 15 years left only in his life. How are you going to use it, though, Kevin? Seriously. How are you going to use this last 15? I've got 10. Am I going to partner with Jesus? Am I going to <coughs> run a race? Am I going to make a decision that I want my life to count for something? Because that's what God has called us to be. And now we don't know any of us when our time is up. So therefore the Bible says this. Take heed while you can. And God has called us into a fellowship of a church that we might do something for Jesus. And if it's just sitting in the back, Linda, welcoming these lovely people who've just come in this morning with a smile and letting them know that they are valued to, then that is well worth it. Seriously. Whatever you're doing, the Bible says do it for Jesus. Whatever you do, just do it as if you're doing it for Jesus. Because our time is short. And I think it's even shorter. I really believe that if God lets me live to lady, I am convinced I'll be ruptured. Not ruptured. Uh, I'll be ruptured. I believe time is that short. It's only my opinion, of course. <coughs> and when you get to heaven, you'll find I was right. But anyway, this is what you will do in your lifetime, Alan. You will spend six months sitting at stoplights or traffic lights. 
You will spend eight months opening junk mail. <coughs> you will spend one year looking for misplaced objects. For me, it's greater. Uh, you will spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. You will be, five years of your life will be waiting in some form. <coughs> Six years of eating. Oh, oh, oh. Quite happy with that one. Again, yours is And in your lifetime, I don't know whether it's true for you, 21 years of watching TV. Think about it. 21 years of watching TV. That is an average, by the way. That's incredible, though, isn't it? When you think about it. 21 years. And what God is saying, what are you going to do with the time that you have left? Are you going to partner with me? Because the Bible says, as you know, go you into all the world and make disciples. In other words, God is saying, partner with me, Daniel. Daniel, partner with me. Be my, be my partner because I'm in heaven. Jesus is in heaven and he's saying, I want some work to be done. Julie, will you help me to tell the world that there's a saviour who loves him? That's our commission. But often, 21 years frightened me. <coughs> I wonder how many years I have actually sat though and watched rubbish. Seriously, I wonder how many years I've wasted watching television. If this is true. And whether you believe them or not, I still believe that whatever time we have left, we can now decide today to turn it to something to glorify God. That we can become partners together with Jesus. And that's why I'm using the word partnership. I want you, April, and I want you, Jeff and Jane and Dennis and Pam, to really consider, and I'm asking you to consider, what can you do in this place for Jesus? You're not doing it for your minister, although that will help me. Seriously. We've brought the Lord and people in, you know. And they're participating with us. It's great to have you participate with us. It's lovely. Michael's as grumpy as ever. But that's just not going to change. <clears throat> although he did miss Betty last week. You know? oh. <laughs> he actually said, I've got nobody I can win to. <laughs> but I want to ask you three things, important qualities as I leave you. Finally, finally. I believe there are three things that make you and me, Jeff. And I believe in these three things. First of all, we are powerful. We are powerful, you and me. Exodus 17, verse 11. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever Moses dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. But Moses' hands became very heavy. And so they took the stone and they put it under him. And he sat on that stone. Then Aaron and her, her, it's your, then Aaron and her lifted up his hands, one on each side, partnership, one on each side as Moses was beginning to crumble. Because as long as Moses' rod was held high, the Israelites were winning. And Moses couldn't hold the staff up any longer. The battle was going on for hours. And so Aaron says, I'll take this. 
Can you get the idea of partnership? My idea of partnership is powerful. It's powerful. The lifting of Moses' hand symbolized that they were dependent on the Lord. Because God said to Moses, you must keep the rod uplifted. And Aaron and her, they said, God has said, Moses must keep this rod uplifted. If he doesn't, we lose. And so they both knew that they had to do something to help Moses. It's called partnership. Well, that won the battle for Israel. It's powerful. And I want to tell you, it's powerful when we're together. Because we have someone, don't we, high up here, who's called us to be partners. Which is why I'm saying to you this morning, you need to be encouraged. Don't look at what the world's looking at now. Remember, focus your eyes upon Jesus. It is Jesus who has called us to be partners with each other. And if he has called us to be partners, it's powerful. We sing Chris Tomlin's song, How Great Is Our God. You must know it. How great is our God. He's awesome. And he called Moses to do this. But God knew that he needed a helping hand. And you need a helping hand. And I need a helping hand. And together we can do this. This is what Eliot's going to do. This is what Eliot says before we go on. Eliot says this in his commentary. Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. If left to himself, Moses had become exhausted both mentally and bodily. And when his hands dropped, he ceased to pray. He was sustained physically by his two companions. His mind recovered, so he was able to pray. And he was able then to renew what God had called him to do, and the result was victory. In other words, they helped Moses to continue praying, lifting up his rod, and Israel got the victory. <coughs> Turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, there's a king who makes an edit that everybody's going to die. 120 of them. They were all in his government. You didn't get sacked in those days in the government. You got your head chopped off. So, don't sign up to be in the political reign in those days. So there was 120 of them who were going to get their heads cut off. Because the king had a dream, and nobody could understand the dream. And he gave them till the next day to understand this dream. He said, listen, I want you to even tell me what the dream was. Well, I couldn't tell you what you dreamed about, Gene, and I wouldn't want to know. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is... <coughs> How can you tell someone's dream and then explain it? And so because they couldn't, he just said, well, get rid of them all. Kill them. So Daniel hears about this. But Daniel doesn't panic. Doesn't panic. Do you know what he does? He says, I've got three friends. I'm going to ask them for a prayer. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego. Shake the bed, make the bed, and up to bed we go. That's the easiest way to remember it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Read it, Daniel 2. And what he says to these guys, he says, listen, why don't we spend the night in partnership in prayer and ask God to give us not only the interpretation of the dream, but the dream itself. And Daniel and his friends prayed. God did it. They were delivered. God actually was capable of telling someone 
what that person had dreamed about and the interpretation. But Daniel didn't decide to pray on his own. He called his friend. How often have I sent a text to you? How often? I, I believe I must send at least five, six a week. Why is it so important you people want me to send a prayer text out? Because you believe in the partnership of prayer. Do you? You know one thing for certain. If you're going through a really bad time and you need God to intercede, you want your brothers and sisters to pray for you. Don't you? I leave it there. And how many people can testify that God has answered their prayers? Amen. Come on. That's great. Come on. Why? Because we are powerful. And don't take it the wrong way. We are powerful in the sense that when we go to the throne of grace, we go to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Second of all, final, final. Not many more left. Then I said to the people, you are in distress. Jerusalem lies waste and the gates are burned. Come, come. Jeremiah 2, by the way, those of you want to follow it. Jeremiah, uh, Nehemiah 2, sorry, Nehemiah 2, 17. Come, come, listen to this. Let us build the walls of Jerusalem together. Nehemiah heard from his brother that Jerusalem's walls were totally, totally, totally collapsed. The place was a place for jackals, lions, it was just terrible. And Nehemiah had a heart to rebuild the wall. And so he called people together. He said, come on. Come on, together as partners, we can rebuild this wall. And so they went to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. You can read about it in Nehemiah. And the enemy said, we're going to stop you building it. We're going to stop you. And so they decided to try and make life difficult. So what Nehemiah had to do was, he had to split his workforce into two. Half the workforce had to make sure that the enemy didn't come and stop them. So... The other half of his workforce could build the wall. So he was down 50% in labor, wasn't he? So they prayed to God. They said to God, God, we want to rebuild this wall, God. We believe we are powerful people. And you know what? They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. <coughs> Not only are we powerful, we are productive. We are productive. Because we can extend the kingdom of God. And that's great news. One little boy gave how many fish and loaves? Because I never get it right. Two fish, man. Two fish, five loaves. How many did he feed? I reckon that was productive. I want to try and excite you this morning. Being a member, a partner, whew, being a partner of a local church is powerful and productive. Because together there's nothing we can't do. For the kingdom of God. Seriously. And I have to tell you, I would expect that now your partners. I would expect you to do what you can when <coughs> to enhance the kingdom of God. And that might be in that kitchen making a cup of tea. It might be on the cleaning road, it might be on the music road, it might be going to Costco's. Although I think you're going to Costco's a little bit too much. I'm not sure what, uh, what I'm saying. I have to have meetings in Costa. It's just one of those things in life. What I'm saying is we all do what we can. We will be productive. Seriously, get excited. This church will grow and multiply if we all become productive. There's people out there, listen to still now. 
We had 11 children last week. 11 children. But we need people to go out there and help, don't we? If we all just say, no, well, I, those wonderful 11 children might not hear about the good news of Jesus in a way that they can understand. We are powerful, we are productive. Finally, 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 finally. It's personal. I have run the race. I have fought a good fight. I have known, <coughs> this is in Titus, this is in Titus. I have run the race. Sorry, it's in 2 Timothy, it's a lie, it's in 2 Timothy. Paul's declaration at the end of his life saying, I have personally, personally partnered with Jesus. I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. I have done what God has asked me to do. That's all that's God has ever said. I want to tell you, you've become into partnership personally, haven't you? Although you're a, a married couple, it's still a personal thing you've done this morning. You have to remember that you've actually decided to become a partner. No one forced it. It's a personal thing. This is what Philippines 1 says. I thank my God in all remembrance of you because of your partnership in the gospel. You are identifying yourself, Jeff and Dean, as part of the kingdom of God and being involved in the mission of Jesus Christ. That's lovely. You, Pam and Dennis, have done exactly the same. And so have you, April. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes as I finished. Two are better than one. Iron sharpens being with someone will give you personal encouragement. Of course, it depends on the person who it is, of course. Okay. But listen, hanging around people who are positive and love you and value you is positive. It's personal. And I'm going to finish now with this. So let me give you a great verse to finish it. This is definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, it's a better word. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and I hope it encourages you. Paul says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the God, Philippines 1, 4 and 6. From the first day until now, be confident of this, that Jesus, who began a good work in you, that's personal, in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, he personally is involved in your life from the moment you know him, and he's working it out, as Paul says, because you are partners with him. And he's personally involved in your life. And he's going to do that until the day that Jesus returns. How wonderful is that? Jesus is personally involved in your life. Wow! And he's saying, Sarah, I'd like you to get personally involved with me as well. It's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's not partnership, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? Because Jesus can't make you, can he? It's a personal, personal decision. And you've made a personal decision for the last time. April, Dennis, Palm, Jeff, and Jimmy, charm me. Okay, I've made a decision. You've made a decision to personally, personally become involved in the life of this church and with Jesus. And I just think that is absolutely great. Let me say these words over you again. He that has begun a good work in you, he's begun a good work in you, young man. 
He will complete it until the day of salvation. Jesus has personally wants to be involved in your life this morning. And you may not know him. You may never have come to that point. Well, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who wants to have a relationship with me and a relationship with God can do so. They just have to admit that Jesus came to die on a cross for them. And ask God to forgive them for the stuff that we've done in our lives, which we know are wrong. Ask Him to come in our hearts and become personally a partner with Jesus. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is just unable to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the moment you do that, Jesus comes into your life. And you too now become personally involved with Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer as the musicians get ready to come.